0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Commentaries from the Edge. This is Karen Goldberg. And here's what's coming up next. I am so pleased and honored to introduce you to Reverend Dr. Najuma Smith-Pollard, a preacher and program manager of an important organization at the University of Southern California. And I will let Dr. Smith-Pollard tell you more uh, a little bit about herself.
1: Hi, everyone. Um, I'm glad to be on with you, Karen. Thank you for inviting me to share uh, with you. Um, my name, again, is Reverend Juma Smith Pollard, and I am the pastor of Word of Encouragement Church here in Los Angeles and the program director at the Susan Murray Center for Community Engagement at USC, which is a part of the Center for Religion and Civic Culture. The core of our work at USC is um, working with clergy, and faith, um, organization, faith-based organizations around capacity building, civic engagement, public policy work, and some community development. Um, and of course, as a pastor, um, really seeing my role in this present day um, as being a, just continue to be a prophetic voice, helping to interpret the time that we're in. Uh, we are in a very Interesting year, to say the least, and um, and so just really navigating this pandemic space. So I'm I'm grateful to be on with you, Karen. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here, and that combination of what you were
0: talking about the um, the intersection between being in an academic setting, which is connected to bringing together. Uh, research and building up the capacity of the clergy in, in our community. Yes. And at the same time, practicing, uh, uh, being a practicing preacher at and the way in which that works together at this such a critical, and I would say, you know, actually crisis moment that right. we all through in one way or another. Yes. And so that brings me to um, to the question of, you know, Really, what what do you see the role of the preacher today in in not only in Los Angeles but let's say in the world in which we're all living right now?
1: Um, certainly, we must com- continue to be the prophetic voice, you know, lifting up, inter- interpreting our sacred text, whatever that is, um, whatever the faith tradition may be, and so as a spiritual leader, helping. To interpret the times and juxtaposing that with the text that we read from and study from and worship from, but also leading, right? Like I, I and leading from from out front, um, really being present and engaging um, the various conversations and issues, and being out front. Um, this is a time where people need leaders including spiritual leaders, to be in front, um, to be in front of, you know, and not just in front physically, but, you know, in front, you know, be, being aware, being conscious, being engaged, um, you know, being, being in the conversations and even in some of the work that has to happen. So I think I don't think I know that my role is, is leadership, but it's really leading from the front. And and times like this, this is what people need from, their, from leaders, especially spiritual leadership. Um, and also a critical component of, of our work is, um, is... Well, how am I trying to say it? Um, a critical part of our work is spiritual care right our people need spiritual care they need they need them in on our context the message of jesus the message of hope and salvation uh the message of healing the message of love so being a you know being a profound voice for those areas of care and congregational care community care you know, advocating for prayer, you know, just really being being in the spiritual conversation, leading with that, but also leading and being in front with the things that people are facing and dealing with. Um, this is just the time for clergy to be, to be that to so many people. And it's hard because clergy, pastors, leaders, spiritual leaders, we're also experiencing the the multi-layered pandemic that's that's happening that we're living through we're we're also experiencing it so you know our other primary role is self-care cuz I can't lead you if mm-hmm. I'm not in a healthy place and so I think it's also incumbent upon spiritual leaders to do a lot of self-care so we are in a place of wellness to lead on the issues that are critical but also lead in spirit, in this, in the work of, of spirituality, that our people are, you know, maintain their spiritual grounding.
0: And that's, that's a huge undertaking. And what you said, that is so important, because, you know, I think it's become more common knowledge uh, that clergy often ignore their self-care. And so I think that's a really important issue that you're bringing up. Absolutely. You know, we've talked about the idea of being on the prophetic edge and how, when you look around at history, how many, you know, spiritual leaders have been the ones that have raised up people at a time of pain. Yes. Of not going And not knowing where, where do we go from here and knowing at the same time. And I think the vast majority of people are feeling this. We cannot go on with this. We cannot go on the way we are right now. No. And, And I think oftentimes, if you look at history, and we've talked about, you know, Desmond Tutu in South Africa, Martin Luther King Jr. here in the United States, Gandhi in Mm -hmm. India, Mm -hmm. uh, who found a way to to go forward and bring the people with them. Yeah. And I know, you know, because you are, you're a Black preacher at an incredible moment of the, the issues of social justice and the recognition of systemic racism um, and how that can re- resolving those issues or, and moving forward with them will bring all of us up yeah bring all of to a better place. Yes yeah,
1: certainly I mean certainly this is the time for spiritual leaders, pastors um, you know to to lead from from and that's what I meant by leading from front leading leading on the edge you know, that prophetic edge, like we have examples of what happens when spiritual leaders lift up these issues in sermon, but also in life, in living, right? We've seen the impact um, when we put our faith and our feet together at the same time to kind of to somewhat lean into what Rabbi Heschel said um, about he was praying with his feet. Right. And so those examples and so many more like, you know, our history is, is filled with examples of spiritual leaders who took to the work beyond, you know, beyond worship. There's the worship in whatever way we worship and then there's the work. And it's not either or at times like these is both and. And that's that prophetic edge. I'm a pastor. I'm going to preach a sermon on Sunday. I'm going to do Bible study. I'm going to lead my people through prayer. But I'm also going to meet with the leadership of our cities and our nations. And, you know, to to lift up the the story of Moses and his work. And, and I'm going to also tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And I think that's where... Um, spiritual leaders of all kinds can really make their mark and should make their mark. I can't tell anybody what they well you know I'm I'm saying should but you can't tell anybody what to do but I think this season, this year has given us that opportunity to make our mark because real things happen when spiritual leaders lead from the edge and lead out front on these topics and, and these subjects whether it's racial inequality or health injustice or mass incarceration um, or, you know, um, police brutality or whatever the issues might be, you know, uh, women, black women in health and economic crises, all of these issues have a place, I know for, for myself as a Christian, have a place within the Bible. And so these are not issues that are separate from the faith conversation. They're in the text. They're in the Bible. God actually gives direction and speaks to all these issues in some format, in some way. And I know for, as a Christian, I lean into what the, the prophet Micah told us, which is to love mercy, do justice and love mercy. Um, you know and act justly and love is act justly love mercy and and you know follow god and so that is the work that i am called to and i believe all of us as spiritual leaders are called to like it's our spirituality and justice work are not separate our spirituality and our engagement work are not separate they go together they work hand in hand and so if a, cler- if a clergy person is really going to live into their calling and their assignment, if a spiritual leader is going to really leave- live into that, the social justice work, the work of, 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 of addressing and even speaking to injustice is the work of the spiritual leader.
0: Exactly. I mean, because when you think of the essence of every faith on the planet, the essence that we, that we all link together is this, the concept of love, you know, that actually that's, we're trying, we're trying to move toward, wouldn't you say that that feeling of the capacity to, to appreciate and love one another. And, you know, that brings me to something I know that you've been involved in. And I think a lot of people don't understand, especially in those terms is the development of Black Lives Matter and how that's grown out mm-hmm. of a lot of the, of the turmoil that we've been in the last
1: years. Right. And so I, well, I want to just, I, I want to go back and come forward. So I, was, mm-hmm. I mentioned Micah. So Micah 6.8 says, you know, for us to, that this is what the Lord requires, right? That we do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And and so when you talk about BLM, Black Lives Matter, the movement, um, even though I'm not necessarily a member of Black Lives Matter, I'm a member of black, 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 about clergy for Black Lives, we support the mission of Black Lives Matter. And we support the mission of Black Lives Matter because of the instruction that comes from prophets like Micah, which is to do justice love mercy and walk humbly with god and so this is not um and so so in so movements that speak to the justice and the mercy are movements that i'm going to be a part of and one thing that we have to be clear about when it comes to BLM and, and we and people can have their arguments about the leadership of BLM and and you know, and where they, how they feel about that, and and even how BLM is structured, or and or not structured, because someone argue that some would argue that there is no structure. Um, the core of their work is justice work, and so I I see my calling at this time, and I can only speak to me to support justice work. So whether it's BLM or some other organization, you know, or it's an organization that's working, fighting for the liberation of immigrants, or an organization that's fighting for the rights and justice for our indigenous people group, or, you know, whatever the the issue is, my requirement is to do justice. And so, yes, the core of what we're focused on right now, and the group that has the movement group that, or the group movement that has garnered the world's attention is BLM. As a clergy person, I support BLM because of their work towards justice. And as a person of faith, I ha- justice work is justice work. And I don't get to pick and choose, or I shouldn't pick and choose what justice work is. Is justice and what is it either is or isn't justice work and if it is then it's a work that I can support I mean I maybe maybe at you know maybe we're not able to do everything but but I ha- I can support it because the core of their work the reason they exist is this is this mandate that's called towards justice and mercy and it's a work that I feel that I have to be a part of and so again, I may not be a BLM member, but the reason I am a part of Clergy for Black Lives, it's all about the justice work. And for me, Karen, I can tell you this, from what I've experienced in the last few years, it has, it has sealed for me that as a black woman and a woman of faith and a woman, a black woman of faith and clergy, a black woman of faith and clergy and god has given me some little little bit of platform for me this year was very defining where there was no longer a negotiation about whether or not i would be fully engaged in this work and personally i drew a line i drew a, i drew a line in the sand and said my work my life's work is going to be about liberation and justice And that's where my focus is at right now and probably will be until God says something else.
0: Well, I think, you know, that many of us um, have had epiphanies this year of questions about purpose and purpose. That sounds like, um, you know, the, the kind of passion that you're expressing for those issues are so incredibly needed right now. Yeah. I think, you know, I brought up about Black Lives Matter because um, for many people, it's a startling statement, Black Lives Matter. Yes. And as if you didn't need to really say that. And yet at the same time, it really brings to the, I think the, the name itself is startling because it brings to the forefront the fact that so much in the society someone who's black is life is not been treated as if it matters absolutely and I think that the technology that we've had of people being able to film uh, for an example just one example really is the violence of when police have murdered innocent yeah. black men yeah but that that's been going on we know for
1: centuries. Right, for, Centuries.
0: Thank you. Centuries. Thank you. I couldn't find the right uh, time frame. Um, But they didn't have, you know, they didn't have uh, uh, iPhone uh, cameras at that time. Absolutely. So now, you know, people are startled by that. But I think also, you know, we discuss people misunderstand that you could also have, you know, all lives matter. Black Lives Matter is wanting to stand in, you know, stand in the circle um, with all lives that matter, and people sometimes interpret Black Lives Matter as saying, uh,
1: "Right, so- and let's and let's correct that, right?" And we, because you and I know, we know, but let's for the sake of the of our show today. So, what we want to make absolutely clear: Black Lives Matter. Is a period after that. It's not a Black Lives Matter comma above everybody else's. It's not Black Lives Matter comma before everybody else's. It's not Black Lives Matter comma instead of everybody else's. It's just Black Life Matters. Black Lives Matter, and the reason that that statement, and it's a sad case, which is you know, which is what America, or a good good part of America doesn't want to really acknowledge is that black lives at this tick of the watch and for the tick for the, is, and, and, the, and many watches pass is the life that's burning. So if you have, um, and you and I talk about this example, a room full of babies, the black baby is the one that's sick and dying. And so the black baby is the one that needs the, the critical care team to come in. And it's not to say that all the other babies in the in the in the ward don't are not don't matter. And not, it's not to say all the babies don't deserve love and attention. But right now, the black baby is the baby that's sick and dying and needs the care, critical care and the services and the investment. And so anyone who cannot see that is choosing not to see it or they're so far in their privilege that they've been blinded by privilege. Um because we can look at we can we can look at whether it's police injustice, brutality, but we can also take it take it to other we can talk about education system, you could talk about the health system, the criminal justice system, the court system, the 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 banking system, <laughs> you know, All of the systems of this nation, the black baby is the sickest baby in all the systems. And so the black baby is the one that we're saying needs the services and the investment and the critical care team and, you know, code blue, you know, or code red. I'm not sure which one they call when it's immersed. I think it's code blue or cold red. (laughs) So that's what BLM is saying. We're just calling code red on black lives. Because at this ticket the watch, black lives continue to be the the baby in the ward that remain that is that it continues to remain sick and needs the critical care team to come in. um and and again, anyone who cannot see that and and who chooses not to see that um, is either blind or so far in their privilege that they're blinded by their privilege. Well, I
0: think that's where, see, that is where the clergy Absolutely. comes in, That what you were talking about before, and I and I mean all clergy yes. from all walks of life, because actually you could say the clergy is also yes. a teacher, and teacher, if the, you know, many times the teacher gives you, reveals to you things that you yourself in your own life, in whatever the boundaries of your life yes. are, you, you haven't. The opportunity to really learn, um, and because you know, clergy have captive yes. audiences. Whether it's on Friday afternoon yes. with Muslims or Saturday with Jews or Sunday with Christians and many other faiths, different days they they have captive yes. audiences and opportunity. And it's kind of like what we were talking about. You know, the idea: can you, you know, that you can pass yes. laws, but maybe preachers can also besides laws protecting people from other people's prejudices, uh, maybe preachers can also change hearts and and spirits, which would be really a wonderful thing for for it to happen for humanity, if that could happen, that we could all move forward, really with new understanding of, you know, revealing to each other how important it all is Yeah. And I think you, I think you use a
1: really critical word revealing, um, and I think that's where and when we talk about clergy for black lives, we, that that organization, our organi- the organizing, the organizing of clergy for black lives includes all clergy. So I just want the listeners to be clear that it's not just black clergy. We have every faith tradition, for the most part, represented. Um, that, so that's one thing. The other. And so to speak to this part about revealing. Right. That's part of the role this word revelation. And so in the teaching, however, that's done, whether that's a sermon, a du'a, you know, a talk, whatever, however, you know, a a chant, um, what we have the opportunity to do in our various platforms, whether it's a small group or a large group is to bring revelation forward about the baby, the black baby that's sick. And and if the black baby is not tended to, all the other babies are not. You, you are not are a threat, right? If there's a sick baby amongst us, all the other babies are 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 threatened, are, and not not by the black baby, but why? But by what's causing the black baby to be sick? Not the black baby, but what's causing the sickness? And so, um, all the other babies are are at th- are under the same threat or, or under some kind of threat because the system is what's hurting the black baby and killing the black baby. And, and so as clergy, when we have our time in front of our congregations, organizations, groups, prayer groups, you know, what, whatever, whatever, whatever the, the opportunity is, then we have an opportunity to, to bring about revelation in this space around the black baby and how the black baby needs critical care Um, because it's really out of revelation that hearts are turned. Hearts are not turned because I give you statistics. Hearts are not turned because I give you facts. Hearts are not turned because people see a video or two or three. Hearts are turned because a person has a revealing moment, um, has a sense of revelation and revelation simply simply means an awakening an opening and so one of the things that the video of George Floyd being murdered assassinated if you will it wasn't just that we saw George Floyd dying because we've seen people die it was also that man Chauvin and his apparent resistance to give any kind of care about life as he was taking it from this man and he knew he was taking it from this man. And so it was a very revealing moment that people got to see Mm -hmm. eye to eye, Mm -hmm. the evil of racism, right? I, it's bigger than Chauvin. Mm -hmm. Chauvin was, isn't it is not is a one person, Mm -hmm. but it was way bigger than him. And so, so it's so, The spiritual leader has an opportunity in the teaching and the preaching and the speaking and the chanting and the gatherings to help bring about revelation because it's revelation that that opens a person up to have an awakening or an aha moment or an enlightened moment, whatever word you want to use, that hearts can be changed. And that's the value of the work that we do, you know, both spiritually and practically.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, when you think about all the different, the, all the work that we have to do to make things better, to move from, you know, this really not even thinking at this very moment as we speak that the the coronavirus is so oh, out of wow. control, so causing so much suffering uh, among, often among, right, more in the Latino and in the Black the, community. Yeah. black community uh, I guess this is this may be a difficult question but do you do you feel any when you think of the future and I know you have young children do you feel
1: optimism for the you know what I do Karen and I know a lot of people are not optimistic <laughs> I'm optimistic in the sense of in in this way and I'm not sure who said it but I'm going to quote it and then maybe you can help me figure out who said it. Uh, when we fight, we win. And I don't think we're actually, I don't see my work in the fight as a destination, but as a, a journey. And you, you don't lose. If you fight for justice, you don't lose. If you fight for liberation, you don't lose when you fight for love and fight for caring for people, even if even if things don't change in my lifetime, it's it's it, the fact that that people are so many people are fighting, I'm hopeful because when we fight, we win and and I don't see that as a final destination. like I don't think I don't know if we'll ever come to a place where we say America is healed. I think the win. And the hope is that there will always be people. God always has a remnant of people who will always continue to fight for justice and liberation for people, whoever that might be at the time. Like as long as you know, and I do believe God's gonna always has a remnant of people who are gonna be fighting for our indigenous peoples and for immigrants. But but let's say we get that cleared up. Let's say we get racial injustice cleared up. Well, we still have people that are being um human trafficking you know so whatever the issue might be I just think that as long as we're fighting we win and when we fight we win and I don't know if that's a I don't see the fight as a as um as a mo as fighting to a final destination I think that as long as there are people in the fight for what's right because I, I do believe we're going to always be fighting for what's right the subject mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the object of the fight might change, it might shift mm-hmm. over time. But I do believe mm-hmm. as long as God has a remnant fighting, we always win. And so mm-hmm. that's why I'm that's well, why I'm hopefully optimistic. That and, and one of the things that I'm teaching my children, because I take them with me when I go and be part of the protests and have meetings, because I want to put them, put in them early, fight for the right thing. And as long as we got people Mm -hmm. fighting for the right thing, Mm -hmm. then we win. Mm
0: -hmm. And that,
1: and I don't see that as a, as a destination. I just see as a continuum. And that's where I think people get discouraged as they see the fight as well. Can we get to the place of, of, you know, of the paradise? And I don't know if that's possible. (laughs) I just know we got to, we got to always have a remnant <laughs> fighting for what's right, whatever that might be at the time. Yeah. Exactly. If that makes sense. Well, yes. Well, maybe it's
0: like the mess that maybe it's like the image of, uh, you know, all of us being on a track meet together, uh, for those of us that are trying to work on some of these issues and, and move forward for a better world. And it's like passing the torch, yeah. you know, you just, you, you keep, you keep moving um, and then you pass the torch, and it reminds me what you were saying about in your lifetime. Because I think, you know, I thought of I thought about Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech, fam- one of his you know many sp- famous speeches, where he talks about you know I may not be with you on the mountaintop, but he expected to ha- you know to have, and he talked about the arc, right, the arc yes. of history, moving to a better place. So. Being an optimist is a wonderful way to live because it gives you energy to keep working and fighting for the things that you think Absolutely. are important. So I just want to say, I'm so happy to have this opportunity today to talk thank to you. you. Thank you. Thank so you much. for having me. And wishing you, wishing you best of luck with all I your appreciate endeavors. appreciate Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for honoring us. Thank you for having me. Today. God bless. Good luck.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye
0: you